is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. I'm your host, Jess Root from Cardswire.com, the USA Today NFL wire site that covers your Arizona Cardinals. And back, um, we, we we ended up just not doing other shows, um, busy stuff. So after we didn't do our two preview shows, so we're sorry about that. But Seth Cox is back from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, the SB Nation Arizona Cardinals site and one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. So no preview shows for the game last week, either with Seth or with anyone from the Rams, and that's okay. Um, yeah. But we're going to talk about the game that happened. This is episode 490. The Cardinals got their doors blown off 37-14 to uh, on Sunday by the Los Angeles Rams, and it was, it was ugly. Um, I... I find it hard to find anything that went well other than one drive. But what we want to talk about first, Seth, is what what was it that went wrong in that game? Um, if is there one or two things that are there one or two things that we can just point to and say this was the problem? I don't know if there's one or two things that you can point to, but I think that there is a, a plethora of things that. Or working against them, and it's and it's causing just you know catastrophic failure to what we saw this week. Um, you know, I think the first thing is something that you and I have harped on for weeks, and and they've played, um, you know, they've played above their head or above their talents in several games or halves of games. You know, maybe not full games, but you know, obviously the the Dallas game and then and the second half of the Houston game come you know screaming to mind. Um, but their defense is just so bad. I mean, it's it's not to take away anything from the guys that are out there because they're doing literally the best they can, like physically the best that they can possibly do. But they're just so um, they're just so bad. And you know, you look at you look at this last game, for instance, and and we'll go through the names right quick, just you know, to get this you know conversation but obviously Jalen thompson's good josh woods is i mean he's a career special teams backup he wasn't guy. bad but he wasn't like he was just he was there it was i feel like he was kind of just there um you know buda baker's obviously good garrett williams looks good right like that's an exciting exciting thing uh kid Terrell clark doesn't look bad Dante Stills is in a in a bad position right now where he's just kind of overwhelmed um as a as a guy that should be playing what maybe 10 15 snaps a game maybe he's up to 20 snaps a game right now at this juncture but you know he's yeah, pl- he's played well but that you know last week uh against the Texans he he played I think was near 80% of the snaps I think it ended up being yeah. and um, and he's hitting the rookie wall he's wearing down well and that just- and, and and Gannon after the game oh I think it was Monday pointed out that that he had way too many loafs like it was there were yeah. they, he was there were lazy plays there were plays he took off or didn't put the right effort and they they count that and so while he is pleased with the play of stills overall the season he did point out the fact that stills against the texans um 
he there were some he he loafed on on several on far too many plays in that game. Yeah, and then Jonathan Ledbetter, who's a you know probably what would you say a fifty percent rotational type of type of guy in in a on a good defense, would you say? Yeah, like you you could you could have him. You you'd feel good if he's not your best defensive lineman. Like if it's your third or your fourth best defensive lineman uh, on the team, like I'd think, and you'd you'd feel really good about your defensive line if if he's your number three. Um, Starling Thomas been kind of a, a nice revelation, but undrafted rookie ultimately. Yeah, uh, uh, somebody named Devod Wilson. <laughs> Devod Devod Wilson. Um, yeah, I'd seen his name before, and, yeah. and well, we're going to talk about that, but that. Yeah, that's that defense, and then you get Chris Barnes playing a little bit. Right. Um, then you've got the slew of outside linebackers that they have. But I, I honestly like if there is if we can point to any one singular thing. You know, when they lost the Texans, we 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 felt that kind of the coaching decisions, the game decisions, led to the loss the most. We could blame that against the the Rams. I think number one. It, it was just their inability to do anything defensively because I think their inability to do anything defensively is what led to the problems offensively. It, it led to them early, like after their first drive, um, and, Kyler, and, I, and we'll talk about Kyler's play in a little bit, but uh, it led to trying to do, take, you know, to make plays that weren't necessarily there which put them behind, and then they got just completely out of whack with their game plan, and that's where the, all the problems found. So first it was the fact that they couldn't get a stop. They just simply couldn't stop them. There was nothing they were doing. <laughs> they, they didn't do literally anything well against the Rams. Um, either half, they had no sacks. They, the only pass, the defense pass, they didn't, the only time they got their hand on a football was Jalen Thompson's interception. They gave up over 200 rushing yards. Kyron Williams ran all over them. They didn't stop Kyron Williams. Tyler Higbee was a problem. Now, granted, Cooper Cup didn't have a massive game, but when you run for 228 yards, uh, Matthew Stafford had four touchdown passes. Well, he did get hit three times. They did nothing to speed his clock up or move his feet, and, and we know very well. Matthew Stafford, if you let him, if he gives time, he will pick you apart. But if you if you, if you make his move his feet a little bit, he will make some bad throws. But he will pick you absolutely apart, and that's what they did. I don't know what it was, but there was he was getting the ball out quickly, and then guys were doing bad leverage. The run game was they they just couldn't do it. And I, so for me, the number one thing, if there was one thing to shore up, is that the defense was the source of all that fell apart. Well, we've talked about it before, like, you know, this offense needed to give this defense some relief, but they're just, they're just not good enough or consistent enough because this defense, I mean, this defense is going to give you what, maybe two stops a game, maybe. Well, especially against, especially against um, the Rams, like there are games that you, that you get more out of them, but some quarterbacks, you're just they'll get you well, they'll either give you something early or or, or they'll put to, they'll get make adjustments and and put together a good half but you like their offense right now isn't good enough to spot like to spot a team more than a score and 
if they don't like and they feel pressure to like if they're even down seven, if they don't get points, then they're down fourteen and then everything falls apart. They you have nothing you have no game plan left offensively. Yeah, and, and you know, their offensive line just it just seems like they can't pass protect. I mean, we were laughing during the game. I mean, the amount of times that that they got pass rush hurries and wins, bringing only three or four. Now, that's, one of those is Aaron Donald. To be to be fair, right? But and it I mean, was Carter O'Donnell at left guard. But I don't right. Know. You, but that's what I mean. I mean, Kobe Turner, uh, Dijon, Dewan Johnson. Yeah. Uh, you know, these guys, Michael Hoked, like these guys beating, these guys beating your starting O-line. Like that's just, I mean, it's bad. Uh, we've talked about it the last couple of weeks. You know, and, and we'll get more into it, but it, there's been a lot of issues, and 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 definitely one of them is Kyler. Um, but it's it's just there's so many to go around that you just have to wonder what the what you can take away that's even good. <laughs> well, you know, and you can't not get first downs <laughs> after the after the first touchdown. They go three and out, four and out three and out it's just and and if your defense little can't like at least if you keep pace you give your defense a chance to hey if we get a stop then you can maybe flip the script a little bit or or not have the pressure to do that but it's just too many bad decisions offensively they had too many untimely penalties you know third and 32 second and 37 what what is what uh, Paris Johnson had a had a bad kind of sequence. Um, you know, Matt Prater misses a field goal. The, the 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 penalty that took the field goal off the board at the end of the first half, I think, was kind of the nail. Like, if they go into halftime with that, but they they get penalized and they lose those points, I think kind of after that it was, well, we're done for. Right, and it's just you know from there it just spiraled right. Yeah, coming up next on the Rise of Seward podcast, Mr. Cardinals talk on the web. We don't want to beat this, but we got to talk about Kyler Murray. That's coming up next on Rise of Seward. We're back on the Rise of Seward podcast, Mr. Cardinals talk on the web. Um, let, let's talk about Kyler. We got to talk about Kyler Murray because it does feel like he's moving backwards. That game against the Falcons, he looked great. Um, there were there were things that were off against Houston, but against the but against the Rams, you look at it like that wasn't a good game. Um, it wasn't, you know, we just watched the Monday night football game. We're recording, by the way, on a Monday night instead of a Tuesday night because of Seth's football schedule, and so you'll get this show. You you ultimately will realize you get this show a day early. Um, but you 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 saw what happened. We we we've seen bad 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 bad. And Kyler Murray wasn't that. And we saw Josh Dobbs, you know, turn the ball over four times uh, for the Vikings in, in the Monday night game. And, and so Kyler, Kyler struggled. I mean, he was five for seven for 50 yards in the first drive. And then he was uh, the rest of the first half. He went three for 10 for 16 yards. Um, I thought Kyler, I for more than anything else, 
It was his decision-making on the throws. Like, he was, one, trying to do too much, and two, forcing things to guys. Uh, I felt he was forcing the ball to Dorch too much, um, uh, forcing the ball to Hollywood. And there were a few times, there there were a handful of times. Now, part of it is just some scheme scheme wise but there were a few times where I thought he made the wrong decision so I had I had trouble with his decision making and the fact that there were times when he could have run and it felt like he's like nope I'm not running today uh it, the, I, the one case, the one I remember and it ended up they ended up getting extended on the drive that he got sacked like he he busted free he ran free of the pocket approached the line of scrimmage, and they said, nope, nope, nope. And then he backed it up, he got sacked, and ultimately a defensive penalty extended the drive. But I'm like, there were times when he had 5 to 10 yards that he could have easily gotten, and it felt very un-Kyler-like, except for, I will say, except for maybe the hamstring game in Week 17, his rookie season, and like the first three games Maybe or the first two games of his rookie season, where it felt like he was actively trying not to run, and I don't know what it was. I felt that 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 was missing from the game, and that overall some of his decision making. I thought his ball placement, for the most part, was better. There was one like weird throw that it short hopped uh, a receiver, but oh, for the most part, we didn't get those like bad throws. They were just bad decisions for like throws like why are you throwing why are you trying to throw to Hollywood when he's got two defenders like it'd be one thing if he were just behind two defenders but didn't have a safety over the top there was a throw that he made that th- there were three defenders around Hollywood um there was you know that fourth down throw to Trey McBride um was he was well covered like it's just it just felt like where is he going the ball with the ball why is he going there I don't know if he's if he's still struggling with the offense a little bit in the decision making, but I felt this was it was just a bad game by Kyler. Yeah, I mean, and it's just gotten kind of like it, like you said, worse um, over the last couple of weeks. And I mean, it coincides with better defenses too, right? Although, I mean, Atlanta's leading in the NFC South, so uh, yeah. We well, you know, it, and 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 my son pointed this out to me. Um, I, I get a lot of football talk from my from Diego these days is the way the Rams play. And, and he's, Diego told me, it's like, Kyler has to take those shots down the field. Now, granted, I think he probably could make quicker decisions or whatever because the way the Rams defend is that they they play fast and cover the underneath knowing that's coming. And so unless you get the ball out very quickly, and, and we've seen that like the Colt McCoy games like last year. Uh, so if if you don't get... They tackle really well, and so unless you shake someone, you're even if you get that initial, you're going to get like three yards of catch. It, it reminded me of the season opener. Remember against Washington how well they covered things? But right. they sell out and, until you can complete a throw down the field. They they are they are running forward fast to those underneath guys, which makes it really hard to to do things. And they get, did get a couple. I remember they got the one Hollywood play where they got him moving across the field and give them the ball. I just feel there there isn't enough of that. But let me share you a, sort of something that I heard from someone about. This is second you know second and third hand information 
<laughs> second and third hand information of a, of kind of a conspiracy. And, and this is this is not something I would even put out on Twitter. I wouldn't put it in print on on either of our sites. But I think this is the place to talk about it because somebody has suggested that, well, or not. If, I have heard from some that there is sort of a conspiracy plan within the offense of the organization, and that is one. When Kyler came back, the playbook was opened up, just opened up, and it, it looked good. And there's a reason. You looked at, you see, I saw Kyler playing. You saw the variety. You got excited about what this offense could be with Kyler. But then after that, that for tanking purposes, um, they are trimming back the game plan and playbook each and each each and every week. Um, and and with the suggestion that come come that that Christmas Eve game against the Chicago Bears, you're going to especially with that game having draft pick implications, right? That what you'll see against Chicago will be a preseason uh, version of vanilla offense. And I'm very much like I, you know, all of y'all listening know my feelings about the 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 tank concept from within a coaching staff and players. It just doesn't work. You can't do it. You can't preach one thing and then actively try to not win or to actively try and put yourself in a position where you can't win. And so the idea sounds absurd, but then give, give us your thoughts Seth, that you were telling me were maybe, maybe it's true. It's something you were telling me before the show. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I said that I could see is that they, you know, the idea behind it being that they've assured those that, you know, could be looking at finding new homes or things like that, that they're, uh, I don't want to say accomplices, but they're, they're in on the knowledge that they understand what the plan is and what they're doing. Um, because other than that, like, I can't imagine, you know, if let's say they're, they're moving on from Kyler one way or the other, I can't imagine Kyler wanting to go out there and look bad auditioning for other teams. Right. Um, I can't imagine they would want Kyler to go out there and play poorly while he auditions for other teams. Um, I can't imagine that just kind of what we know about Kyler as a competitor that he would be okay with losing unless it's, unless there's been a bigger picture sold to him of like, these are the plans moving forward. But I mean, the way he's talked at his pressers the last couple of days, you know, those type of things, it not days, but you know, last couple of weeks. Uh, it is interesting that they, that, that it's happening, right? Like, because it does at times look like this is a team, uh, that is actively tanking, right? Kind of. Yeah, I don't know. I know some I mean, of the personnel moves suggest a, hey, we're going to give the younger guys some looks because they 
it's later in the season. You know, the idea that Bruce Arians are always said is that rookies aren't really ready to contribute till Thanksgiving. We've now had Thanksgiving, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But it's it's a hard sell for me. It's it's still it's still a hard sell it, for me to, to, to suggest. I agree. That. I agree. One thousand percent. Because the other thing is, like, if you're scaling back that much, um, it it does become semi-obvious right right that, like, right oh, and, and it's in a game like that okay they had lots of variety in, in that first drive and that that was really kind of the good part of the game is their first offensive drive where they they ran boots you know kyler was under setter for five or five of the 12 plays but they got down too quick and so they had the three and out they they, they turned the ball over downs it went three and out um it's just once you fall enough behind you no longer can follow your playbook, and you have to go into, you know, desperation mode. And, and every team do, does this. This is literally every team. We saw it. this is the exact sort of thing that happened with Cliff Kingsbury offense when they fell apart early, when they fell behind early. They would go into their passing offense, and which means you take Con- James Conner off the field because Amari DiMercato is their they're passing running back and that's what they were in place for and so you you then you've now you've now by game situation limited the playbook right um yeah. that, that it, that's not something they scaled back themselves game the game plan it, it's it's Gannon described it as playing left-handed and so you basically have to throw away half your playbook because situationally you can't scheme that way anymore um or or maybe you could but t- coaches get into a sort of mode where you you can no longer follow the original game plan and you have to go into that mode. Like remember remember when when DeAndre Hopkins was when they were criticized for DeAndre Hopkins route tree when it was just you know throwing him the ball seven yards down the field from the left side that was when they were getting blown out. Okay, that that was that was a, a situation of circumstance that it was okay. Our best option is. Hey, get the ball quickly into Hopkins. See if he can do something. And and so they they went pretty much shotgun the rest of the way. James Conner almost didn't play much in the second half. He only played thirty snaps total the entire game. And and honestly, I, I feel maybe we might see him pop up on the injury report. Maybe like I'm I'm a little bit that that that's my conspiracy. That's that's a conspiracy I believe where they hide some injuries. Because Connor, even in the second half, you saw Michael Carter and not James Connor. Um, and then you saw DiMarcado, but that's for different. His role was third down back, passing back. And so that playbook gets scaled back. And so they don't have to actively tank, uh, actively pull this, the playbook back. It's because that's naturally what happens to any team when you start feeling it. Like you're you're losing control of the game, and then you've got to you need to get back into it close before you can go back into your regular game plan. Yeah, and so we'll see how this plays out over the next several weeks because if it becomes more and more apparent that they're actively trying to not win, as opposed to they're just so untalented that they can't win it, it'll be interesting to see because that's one thing we know the nfl won't stand for right like that just the whole idea of tanking is... right no 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 that's that's 
that's bad. Being bad, that's a different story. Right. <laughs> and, and we are honestly, I, I don't think, like the what the Rams did offensively, based on what, like, could the Cardinals have done better? I, I think they were, and Gannon said this, there were some that were simply, there was bad technique in some cases, but that Rams offense is really tough to defend because they run they run nickel, so they run three wide receivers almost all the time, and so you have to play a nickel, and they will run out of that. And so, you know, you can either load the box to slow the running game if you're not a, if you're not naturally good at defending the run with a light box, but then you do, then you risk getting thrown over the top. And that is the, that that's kind of one of the tenets of, of the the Cardinals defense is do not do not get beat over the top. And they've had that happen a couple of times, but that's that's kind of one of the main tenets of their defense that that should never happen. And so by scheme, it, the, the Rams offense is tough to scheme against because you end up defending them with a light box um, because you have to play five defensive backs and they have it back in Kyron Williams, who is very physical so he oh why why is he so good he's a fifth round pick and he is officially a cardinals killer he had three yards at halftime in the first game he had 155 after halftime he had uh, another 140 something uh this week and another 61 receiving he scored three touchdowns in six quarters uh, and those are the last two games that Kyron Williams played. It's a combination of a scheme that is very hard to defend when you have a big physical runner and you have an under-talented front like the Cardinals. Frankly, they do right now. Like Their defensive line, you're, they're down. Like if you think, if you looked at what their top four defensive linemen going into the season, three of them are done. <laughs> and you just got led better. Uh, you've got a rookie. You've got a guy they picked, claimed off of waivers. And then guys that, that were basically on the street that they added to their practice squad. That's, that's their defensive line. They are playing a career special teamer as the Mike Backer. And... And while they've gotten production from their outside backers, there's not, aside from the potential talent of B.J. Ojolari, there is not an outside linebacker on this team that a, that an opponent goes, oh boy. You have to watch for Den Dennis Gardek's spin move, but their front seven is lean. And so they're not going to be good against the run in a light box when you have a well-schemed offense. Yeah, and, and it's just one of those things that they'll continue to to struggle against. I mean, next week when we preview the Pittsburgh, it's going to be how many yards do Najee Harris and, and Jalen Warren run for, right? Like, it's you're not really overly concerned about Kenny Pickett. I mean, maybe he throws for four touchdowns and similar goal. Because it's not like, like you said, it's not like they got beat deep outside of the one play where Starling Thomas was actually in good position and you, you just got to – tip your cap to two, two out well on that catch. Um, you know, I mean, so you're not worried about Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, but you just are assuming that there you're going to get 
the you know death by a thousand cuts again and and it's unfortunate um but like you said it's not unexpected with the injuries and the fact that their roster was lean to begin with and, and now you're down to guys that are probably you know closer to xfl and usfl players than they are nfl talent yeah <laughs> yeah it's a it's a struggle for sure coming up next on the rest of your podcast with our cardinals talk on the web let's talk about some of the some of the rotation moves a couple of benchings that's coming next on rise up see red we're back on the rise up see red podcast best of cardinals talk on the web the most notable now Keontae ingram he was inactive dennis daly we've seen we've seen a few guys just kind of disappear in the rotation Keontae ingram we saw was coming um but the one that was a surprise was marco wilson he was active not announced as a starter and didn't play a single snap on defense Keetrell Clark found himself back in the lineup, and this is a game in which they didn't have Antonio Hamilton because he's out with a groin injury. And so Marco's out, and it was three rookie cornerbacks uh, that started the game. And then when Star Thomas got hurt, they didn't bring in Marco. They brought in a Wilson nobody's heard of, Devod, Devod Wilson. Um, I believe he spent time with the Jaguars, makes me think. Uh, if I recall from the from the press release when they added him to the practice squad a while back, um, but yeah, it's very interesting how abruptly Wilson ended up on the bench. Now, granted, I, I will say this: his his playing time started to decrease two or three games ago as they eased as they kind of added Star Thomas to to the rotation. Before they were they you know at the beginning of the season it was basically two cornerbacks, period. Then they once they got Garrett Williams in, they were basically playing uh, three positions with four players. Uh, you had you had Wilson, Hamilton, Williams, and then Thomas was starting to get more playing time. Uh, Hamilton got hurt, and they decided to go with all rookies. It was Keytrell, it was Garrett Williams, it was Star Thomas. Um, I was surprised, but at the same time not because I like I like that the Cardinals are willing to do this, that Gannon is willing to make moves like this when there are mistakes. And, and I think Marco Wilson, um, he's had some good stuff, but we've he's been so inconsistent. Like, you, you can't be shut down for half a game and then get absolutely toasted, but because you're playing back technique. And so... Do I think they're better because Marco's not on the field? I don't think that, but I think perhaps we will see less variance. I guess and you and I were talking about, you know, how bad Kyler, even bad Kyler it doesn't give you the same variance that, you know, Josh Dobbs does where he can he he can be electrifying and then throw, you know, four picks. Um it's like Marco's variance is too much right now. Right. You get, you get, and, and his variance can be in games. That's the crazy thing is, I mean, you can get two good plays and then he gives up three touchdowns and you're like, what is going on? Um, you know, but it, it's, it's one of the things we talk about every year during the draft, right? I mean, you can never have enough corners, even if you have sauce Gardner and, and whoever the other corner is and, in uh with the jets right or or 
you go and you look at the um, the Miami Dolphins, right? They had Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, and and they went and got um, Jalen Ramsey and and Eli Apple, and and like they like you you just truly can never have enough cornerbacks, and it just makes it really really difficult when. And it's something we've talked about since Patrick Peterson was here. And, and they took swings, but they were always bad swings. I mean, even Byron Murphy's been kind of really bad this year. Well, he's he's um, improved recently, and he actually had a pretty good game today. But Did he? Okay, because before this, he was ranked as like the second worst <laughs> right, I know. corner yeah, in the NFL. Just, he, he made a few plays today, and, and you see it, you're like, yeah, I, I remember him playing like that. But no, he's been bad this year. Yeah, and so blah 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 all that, and and so you look at it, you know, outside of Murph, though they never really even spent a top fifty pick on a corner, and and that's one of the things that, you know, when you get a guy like a, you know, when you get a guy like let's just say Garrett Williams, let's say Garrett Williams ends up being a really good cornerback too, in this league, when you get that, you 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 get excited like it's a good thing but if you expect for Garrett Williams to become a cornerback too you're usually just going to be sorely sorely disappointed in the results and that's just what's happening and it it's just it's tough to see because you just don't have the talent and you haven't invested in it and it goes back to you know this was always a multi-year rebuild with also their cap situation. Um, but to see how to see how bad some of the position groups are, mainly O-line and, and or sorry, D-line and, and corner, it makes it really tough, you know? Yeah, it is for sure. It is definitely a struggle. Um, yeah, do you see... Do you see anyone else that I, I'm trying to think of? Like, I don't know if there's anyone else they could do that to because they're kind of, there's no one left. <laughs> there's no, because James Conner's playing well. Ertz lost his job. He got hurt, but he was going, he was going to get phased out in favor of McBride, right? Um, we already saw Elijah Wilkinson, you know, kind of bow out. He was benched before he got hurt. Um, could DJ, could DJ be the next one, or is is are they situation at tackle such because they have not given so they could maybe move they could be viewing next year as Paris at left tackle. They will not play him at left tackle this year. He got you know how many snaps he's had in practice at left tackle all since he was drafted. Yeah, I no. believe it is zero. Yeah. I believe it is absolutely. Zero. They gave him all the reps at right tackle because that's where they wanted him to play. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess, probably the next guy you could see getting bumped out of the rotation might be a Dennis Gardeck, but he hasn't. So what we haven't seen is bad play for him. We just seen unimpactful play. He still flashes. I, I trying to go through the lineup and kind of say who is there that is that's disappointing in their play and I think the next closest one 
would be DJ Humphreys, and I don't think that would be a move they make, being that he's a team captain. Right, and it's just, I mean, is Kelvin Beecham going to be better? I mean, that's a fair question. Like, he was okay for a game. Right, but we've seen that, like you said, the variance that comes in with that, and, you know, you look at other teams and what that and how that works, and it's just, it makes it really tough. And so, you know, my opinion is they're kind of, going to kind of continue forward and, and hope that guys improve and situations improve and that after this week when they have to go against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers that they'll uh, figure it out a little better. You know, they go they get the bye week and then they get San Francisco, which is going to be a nightmare, and, and – Philadelphia, but maybe like you said, Chicago and maybe even Seattle, they can be competitive ish. <laughs> All right. Coming to next on the rise up here at podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. Let's wrap up this edition of the show and talk about, was there anything good? That's coming next on rise up. You read We're back on the rise up. You read podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. Any positives? I think we can point to. The first offensive drive looks looks really good. Look very got good running. Got had good passing. Even saw some some movement out of the pocket. I, I if it was as good a scoring drive we've seen all season um, because it was you know kind of what this offense is built to do. It was everything that you'd want from it um, because this 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 offense is sort of built. Two, you know, you're going to have some big strikes down the field, but this offense is kind of meant to methodically, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 play, 12 play drives and, and eat clock and just move down the field methodically. Um, if they're not giving, If they're not giving you big plays, you're still going to stay on schedule and score. And that, that was great. That was really great to see. It just didn't happen again like the rest of the game. Like they, they they got yards. Like Kyler had two hundred and fifty six passing yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. But you know his passing line is deceiving because so much of that came in in garbage garbage time. And just the I was disappointed because it, at least the one thing he could have done is they could have scored right there at the very end. You know, give give us the over one and a half touchdown passes. I I whiffed on every single one of my like a couple of the bets I suggested uh, of the props last week hit uh, like the anytime touchdown. I thought that was a layup. Um, and what was the other one? I it was oh it was it was Hollywood seventy five plus yards. I didn't wager those myself. I had I had five bets. I had on three my underdog picks. Missed on every single one of them, and both my props uh, flopped. So I was hoping maybe at least Kyler could give us that, just a garbage time touchdown pass to get him two for the game. And he couldn't even do that. Dang it. No, and I was lucky I got a couple uh, obvious ones. I I told people uh, I had Kyler as any time touchdown scorer, which, you know, was nice. Um, I had – I had – Matthew Stafford over one and a half touchdown passes, which he soared by. And both of those were big plus money, which was nice. And then I told people, you know, to ladder Kyron Williams up to uh, 
100 yards. So if you did that, you made some nice money. I obviously missed on Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Who could have known that the Rams wouldn't have to throw the ball at all? Yeah, maybe we should have. Maybe we should have known that from the second half of the last game they played. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I figured I figured they'd get most of it in the first half and they did. But it was so minuscule still that it, it you know, it it didn't make a difference and that's that was the crazy thing is that you know, four touchdowns and none of them were to None of them were to Nakua or Cup. Nope, nope. I I think even though the play, like it was, I think it was a positive to see that they had four rookies in the starting lineup on defense. I mean, it was bad defense, but it it, it it's uh it's both disheartening and promising at the same time. Disheartening for the today, promising for the future. They had Dante Stills. Uh, one of the starting defensive linemen. Then you had the three starting co- rookie cornerbacks, and then you even got you got a handful of plays of Owen Papo late, late in the game. His first NFL yeah, snaps, you got four snaps, four baby. snaps. His first at four NFL defensive snaps, and we'll see, we'll see how if that, that's a trend that that moves forward. Oh, uh, and and of course you had B.J. Jolari playing. He just wasn't in the start. Wait, maybe he did start. I don't think he did. I think it was. I think it was Gardick, and I'm gonna have to check. No, it was Gardick. It was Gardick and and Collins. So, but BJ did play significantly. So, but yeah. So I I think for one thing that becomes promising. So that's a positive. And then the other positive was was that feel good story about Jesse Laquetta getting driven to the stadium by by some fans when his tire went flat which apparently he has bad luck he he can't keep a tire from going flat apparently with his car but you know that that's one of those feel-good stories you know he flagged down the family that was going to this look like they're going to the stadium he drives them there he pays for tickets for the next time they give him a and they gave him a nice parking pass he gets to the stadium on time but jesse Lucetta doesn't do much it is he's a bit player on the team, nice player, but that that when that's your positive from the game, you know it was a bad game, right? Right, exactly. It was just a bad day at the office, and unfortunately, I think there might be three more of those. Oh, yes, um, yeah, because they've got the four, their 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 last two home games are San Francisco and Seattle. Seattle looks not bad. I mean, they they do look bad sometimes, but 49ers. 49ers, crap. They're stupid good. So yep. frustrating. So frustrating. Uh, but with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up this. We didn't need to, we didn't need to make it the, the best hour of talking about bad football. So we will close up this edition of the Rise of Sierra podcast, episode 490. Seth and I will record Thursday night to preview Cardinals Steelers. And my hope is to get a third show this week and try to get someone either from Steelers Wire, maybe Kurt Popejoy, who um, preview who was on our season preview or opponent previews off in, in August, or or someone else maybe from the Believe Network. We'll see what happens with that. But thanks for listening to this edition of the show. That's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. We'll be back again later this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, 
or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Sea Red.